Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Today is Monday, August 19th, 2019. Here's some Canadian real estate news while you have your morning coffee. Something that I really enjoy reading and talking about are sustainable, um, any kind of sustainable model in real estate, especially when it comes to the actual buildings themselves. And there's a, a standard called the Passive House Standard. Passive, um, it's just a collection of um, commitments, I guess, standards that, building standards that, and design standards that a builder would, and designer would commit to and implement in building a house. And it reduces and uh, increases energy efficiency, obviously reducing emissions, reducing uh, energy consumption and stuff like that. So there's a organization called Passive House Canada, and it started out in BC in Victoria, and they're moving, they, they have an annual conference and it's actually moving to Toronto. And Hamilton has a bit of a uh, history, history? Hmm. The Passive House um, standard is catching on in Hamilton. I kind of want to focus on it a little bit. It's it's an exciting idea. So anyway, the, this morning's article is from Daily Commercial News by Construct Connect. Um, and it, the headline reads, Passive House Canada actively pursues Eastern Canada growth. Passive House Canada's second annual conference in Toronto this October, uh, October 17th to 18th, is an indication of the organization's heightened focus on central and eastern Canada and on high-density buildings. Debunking the myth that closely links passive house with energy-efficient custom home building is one of several conference objectives for CEO Robert Bernhardt. In fact, large portions of the conference's format are focused on part three buildings, um, high-density buildings. Listening to speakers, listening to speakers coming in from across the country and around the world and speaking to other attendees such as manufacturers, distributors, designers, or contractors is a superb opportunity for attendees to connect with other actively involved others actively involved in delivering these projects, says Bernhardt. Moving its two-day conference to Toronto from the organization's home in Victoria, BC is part of a national recognition strategy being undertaken by Passive House Canada, including the hiring of a national communications manager in Toronto in the near future. Bernhardt suggests that the Passive House design and construction concept is a path forward for the construction industry in order to meet objectives set out by Build Smart, Canada's national buildings strategy. Canada, uh, sorry, Build Smart lays out a strategy to transform our buildings across the country to deliver the same high-performance outcomes that Passive House delivers, he says. You already see different strategies across the country aligned with that, for example, in Toronto, Vancouver, and with the BC Energy Step Code. All are pointing in the same direction. All of them are starting to incorporate Passive House methods designed to achieve defined high-performance outcomes. The other key component to Passive House, the Passive House concept is the monitoring of overall building performance after construction. 
If you look at our national building strategy, it talks about the better air quality, the lack of mold and mildew, lack of condensation on windows, and resiliency and durability in the face of a changing climate, continues Bernhard. It's widely recognized that the ultimate level of performance required under Build Smart is similar to passive house performance. There are three passive house myths the Toronto Conference will address. address. Cost, adaptability to varying cold climates, and capacity. The upfront cost of energy efficient building methods is always a major cause of concern among designers, developers, and contractors. It's something Bernhard likes to confront head on. What is clear is that performance and costs are independent. A very poor performing building can be expensive, whereas a high performing building can be low, the lowest cost option for a building owner. In any reasonable life cycle analysis, these buildings are more affordable than conventional buildings. There may be a modest increase in design and construction cost. However, the operating costs, not just energy, but overall operation of the building, goes down much more than any amortization of the capital cost increase. The projects are actually cash positive in the first few months, and of course you've got a better building that you're offering the occupants in terms of comfort and air quality. He points to increased attention and acceptance from the subsidized and low-cost housing sectors as recognition of these cost efficiencies. And that point is actually something that Hamilton's been picking up on, but I'll get to that in a minute. Adaptability to varying cold climates. Another myth is that the high-performance buildings are not achievable in colder climates. That is simply not true, says Bernhard. In fact, it's not that difficult to construct a building with high-performance outcomes despite the difference in climates between, say, Toronto and Ottawa, which are extremely different. Capacity. Bernhard addresses capacity issues by simply pointing out the number of new project rollouts across the country encouraged by the mandate set up by BuildSmart. Just the fact that governments and public agencies are doing these projects creates capacity. Designers get trained and contractors get trained. We've got the largest construction firms in the country delivering these projects now. The basic building science behind Passive House is not new. Canada has been in the business of high-performance buildings since the 1970s when the National Research Council and the Saskatchewan government got together to design and build the high-efficiency conservation house, says Bernhard. What the Build Smart National Building Strategy is saying is, we're back in business. So the passive house um, concept is really just um, a commitment to a design and building process that is very conscious about the amount of energy used and the amount of um, emissions uh, put out. And it has an incredible impact on uh, operating costs, as this article kind of points out. And so this 
conference is coming to um, Toronto in October. And Hamilton has had a couple. I'm not going to go into them completely today. I think I might actually expand on this concept uh, throughout the week this week. But um, Hamilton has two major projects. Well, yeah, anyway, two major projects that have adapted um, the passive house strategy, the passive house standards. One um, One project is the Ken Sobel building, which is a high rise. It's a 24 story building on McNabb street. And it used to be, um, well, it's owned by, uh, city housing Hamilton. So it's a social, it was a social housing building and it's been vacant for over a year because it just fell into disrepair. Yeah, it fell into disrepair. They had they couldn't um, they couldn't let people live in it. It was just a mess. So twenty four stories, one hundred and forty six units, not available on social housing market or on market at all. It's being rebuilt, uh, renovated to passive housing standards. Um, and it's going to be turned into um, seniors' apartments. There's 146 units, 74 of those units, I believe, will be, or 76 of them, uh, will be um, they'll be priced at 69.2% of market rent for whatever they are, if they're a one bedroom or studio. So anyway, it's, uh, so it's, so it's more, definitely more affordable than, um, anything else on the market and specifically geared towards seniors, which is extreme, was an extreme need right now. Uh, and it's the first they're so they're renovating all 24 floors are renovating all 146 units to this passive house standard. And it's the first in Canada of a retrofit like this, which is really, really interesting. And I think it's really important um, because there are a lot of buildings that were built in the eighties, nineties, maybe even earlier that they're just, they're falling into disrepair. And what's happening is, uh, in Hamilton in particularly, we're seeing a lot of um, owners of these buildings go through and renovate, which is good, but every time a new unit comes up for rent, they renovate it and then rent it out at a much higher price, so it's pricing a lot of people out of the market. And, you know, business-wise, there's nothing wrong with that, but in a city where... It, a lot of people come to Hamilton because it was affordable well, and a lot of new, um, a lot of immigrants come to Hamilton because Hamilton's a sanctuary city and recognized for its social services. So in a city where a lot of people are expecting affordability, we have um, also a lot of interest from people who are being, I'll say, displaced in quotations from Toronto, 
um, people who can afford twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollar rents, but can't afford the two thousand, twenty two hundred, twenty four hundred dollar rents in Toronto. And so it's a really weird kind of dynamic in Hamilton right now. Well, this Ken Sobel Tower project is proof that like you can kind of not necessarily not really meet in the middle, but there's a solution. Like and they're relying on the passive house standards, uh, you know, among other things, among other financial um, contributions and financial uh, solutions to meet a social housing standard. Uh, technically, it wouldn't be like social housing is usually rent geared to income. This won't be rent geared to income. It'll just be lower rent. That's all. It'll be a, still be a set rent, but it'll be much lower than what market house rent is. So just no affordable housing income, uh, standard. In any case, it's an important move, and I think it's going to set a precedent and allow other um, developers and um, social or affordable housing providers to do the same. The other, um, the other example in Hamilton, which is one that I get particularly excited about, is a charity called Indwell. And it's, I, I kind of want to talk about Indwell as much as possible in the next little bit because they're very, I think, innovative. It's definitely social housing, um, but it's, it's very smart too. So they just retrofitted, uh, rebuilt, uh, renovated a, an old tavern in, in East Hamilton. And it was vacant for decades and just run down and they renovated it with, and it, it's a, it's low rise. And I think there's 57 units in there now. And they renovated it with passive housing standards. And, uh, and it makes so much sense because when you're saving on operating costs and emissions and stuff like that, it, those savings can be directly passed on to tenants, which is exactly what's going to happen when you're a charity, when you're a not-for-profit, right? So when you have to have a zero-profit zero profit line number on your accounting sheet at the end of the year, you want to pass on, you, you, you are literally obligated to pass on savings, um, any savings you can meet, you can obtain as an organization to your customers. And in this case, it's, it's tenants who need affordable housing. So it's just, it's beautiful. I love it. And, um, they renovate and build to such a gorgeous design standard as well. It, it makes social housing, um, very attractive and something, and then they have a whole bunch of community support those as well. So I'll put the links to both, um, the, what is this? Newswire. It's a press release. I'll put links to both the press release about the Ken Sobel Tower retrofit and I'll put a link to the award that Indwell won for its Parkdale. So that's the building I was talking about in East Hamilton. It's Parkdale Landing retrofit in this outer, uh, in the show notes. Uh, and then we're, I think, um, I might talk a about it a little bit more this week. This week's going to be a shorter week. I'm going on vacation. Uh, starting Friday, so 
the end of this week and pretty much right through next week there won't be any there won't be any anything from from the podcast but um won't be any episodes but i'll be right back in action at the end of august so in any case passive housing let me know what you think um love to hear if you you have any experience with passive housing design or construction i'd love to hear about it if you um have a know of anybody who's built homes or has a home who's built to a passive housing standard i'd love to hear about their experience um and anything else in between, email me, recoffee at joelarnt.ca. So recoffee at j-o-e-l-a-r-n-d-t dot c-a. And um, yeah, share your experiences. Uh, I share this on, share these episodes on Facebook and LinkedIn. So if that's where you found it, you can also comment under uh, under those and uh love to hear more okay have a good monday